just want to say good morning to all of you. Uh, I'm Amy. If I don't know you, if I haven't met you, um, I'm one of the pastors here at Ashworth, and I'm so glad you're here this morning. And if you're joining us online, we're so glad you're here too. I'm eager to jump in. And I could just feel I just needed that kind of worship this morning, the Holy Spirit moving, and um, here we go. So Pearl, my daughter, I waited till she left. <clears throat> I was a pastor's kid, so I don't feel any mercy for her because my dad always talked about me from the pulpit. <clears throat> Pearl, my daughter, she's six, and she is an amazing kid. But she has this terrible habit during the night. So she desperately wants her mom all night long. And it starts with bedtime routine. So with the bedtime routine, she's got a nice queen-size bed. So I go in there and I lay with her and we talk about the day and Matthew reads us a story, a bedtime story. And I snuggle with her and then I quietly, you know, remind her that I'm just in the next room. I'm sleeping right next door. There's just a wall separating us and that's it. And um, she says, okay, and I go to bed. And I leave and go to bed. And inevitably, inevitably, every night, okay, I wake up. Some nights it's midnight. Some it's 3 a.m. Doesn't matter. But I wake up to hearing, mom, mom, scooch over, scooch over. And she's at my bed, and she's wanting to get in and get close to me in bed. I'm like, oh. And you know, I will just say, for those of you moms who are judging me, it's fine. Um, I have tried everything. I, we really have, okay? But she, I usually scooch over because I'm tired, and it's easy, you know, and she rolls in next to me. But even that is not enough, y'all. She's like, Mom, can you turn over so your arm will be under my head? She wants me to spoon with her, you know. She's like, I want to get closer. And eventually, you know, there's a leg on me and an arm on me, and it's like I wake up, and she's basically on top of me. Pearl wants nothing separating us. This is her nighttime experience. She doesn't want anything to separate us. She wants full access to her mom, right? And it kills me, but I oblige it is not enough for Pearl Becker that I'm in the same house sleeping. It's not enough that I'm in the room next to her with a wall separating us, right? She wants to be right with me. She wants full access to me. And in the big picture of God, in the big story of God, I feel like this is what I'm seeing week after week as we've been going through this series, that God actually is always looking for a way to give us full access to him, amen? Amen. God maybe is saying, scooch over, scooch over. You know, I want to get closer to you. God is not content either with that separation. He wants to remove and restore that closeness and that access that we have to God. And I hope you're seeing that. I've been amazed by that every week. Just as I hear these messages, I'm like, oh, God is so good. And he is forever uh, in relentless pursuit of of that kind of closeness, of that kind of intimacy with his people, no matter what they do, because we've talked about all the failures and just the despicable things even that people have done all through scripture. And no matter what, God is always in pursuit of access to his people. And today is no different. Um, it's just another layer of that. But today, we're introducing a new character 
Uh, and this is a crucial one, and his name is Holy Spirit. And technically, this is not really an introduction to him. We've seen him before, but this is when he becomes kind of a featured character in the big story, which is interesting to me because he's one of the Trinity, one person of the Trinity, um, which we're not going to get into that. That's another sermon for another day. Like, how does all that work? But the Holy Spirit is not really featured in Scripture until like three-fourths of the way through the story. And even this week, I was thinking like, wow, that's weird. Like, normally in his... In an epic story, you kind of meet the characters in the first half, you know, or the first quarter even. But we don't really get formally introduced to the Holy Spirit until later on this week. Um, But actually, as I was thinking about it, I'm like, oh, the Holy Spirit goes clear back to the beginning. So if you think back to week one of the big picture series that we were in, and Brent talked about creation, or you go back to page one on your Bible and the creation story, we actually see the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the water. There he is. There's the Holy Spirit. That the very beginning of creation, actually, we see this Holy Spirit. Even though he's featured later on, we see his presence early on. So as we get into talking about the Holy Spirit, what is the Holy Spirit? Or I should say, who is the Holy Spirit? Because like I said, he is a part of the, he's a person of the Trinity. Um, There's descriptors um, all through scripture of him as uh, a person, um, but also this kind of wind or this spirit. So the word here in the Old Testament is ruach. You kind of get that like gurgly thing going on in the back of your mouth. Can you say that? Ruach. It's fun. No, you didn't do that noise enough. Ruach. There we go. Thank you. Okay. This means breath or wind, which is interesting, right? So the spirit, I just said the spirit is a person, but there is this sense of the spirit as, as the breath or the wind, but it's not just the breath or the wind. It's the thing that brings something to life. So the other word that I saw over and over this week was the word animated, like it brings something kind of off the page, right? Or it brings a movement and life and action. So this Holy Spirit, the Ruach, is the thing that gives life. It's like when a boat doesn't have wind in its sails, it doesn't move, right? And the wind is the Holy Spirit that moves that boat. Or I was thinking about, when have I seen or experienced Ruach? And I was thinking about, um, I had the privilege of getting to see one of my Um, friends babies be born and I remember just that moment of uh, that baby was born and literally just let out this big cry and then I let out a big cry and we all did and it was like oh that is the sound of life right this is it's the breath it's like that breath represents life there's something invisible but powerful I mean, you think about wind or you think about breath, it's not something we see, but it's something that we experience, right? And maybe that's why I love the Holy Spirit, because it's an experience. It's more than knowing or understanding or seeing. It's an experience. And there's a way that we feel breath and we feel wind, right? So it's easy to go unnoticed, but it's essential uh, for us in the big picture and the big story of God. And the Holy Spirit makes... Lots of other appearances, actually, throughout the Old Testament, um, starting with 
I was reading this week, I for, I, this is a random story that I would never normally think of, but Bezalel in Exodus is this guy who's an artist, and God, it says the spirit came on him and gave him this gift, empowered him with creativity to um, make the Ark of the Covenant, to do all the design work for the tabernacle, um, and we, so we see it early on, God giving this kind of spirit power. Um, I think about Moses and Joshua and David, who we've talked about um, over this series, or to the judges and the prophets, all these people who are leading, um, there's a way that God actually empowered them with his spirit, even in the Old Testament. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is Ezekiel 37, that valley of dry bones where God leads um, Ezekiel to see this valley of dry bones, and then together they, they breathe life into these bones, and they come to life. Again, it's the breath, and it's something that... that creates movement or action and brings life. But it seems like in the Old Testament, what we see is that there's very specific people in very specific times or very specific places where the Holy Spirit is present. So the Holy Spirit is not absent or missing. It just seems like the Holy Spirit is rare or the Holy Spirit is less noticeable um, than the other parts of the Trinity up until this point. But now... In this point of our big picture story, the Holy Spirit is about to get major screen time and becomes kind of the major player of what's happening here in this story moving forward. And it all begins with Jesus' baptism, which Brent talked about last week. Um, Jesus is baptized. Centuries had passed, and Jesus is now on the scene, and he's about to be baptized. John the Baptist is baptizing him, and the Holy Spirit comes and rests on him, and we see it in the form of a dove. Matthew 3.16 says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting. In the beginning, we see the Spirit of God hovering over the waters of creation, and then here in the New Testament, as Jesus is being baptized and sent out into ministry, we see the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters of baptism. And in the New Testament, we learn about the Holy Spirit. It's a different word because it's in Greek this time, but it's the same, a very similar meaning. And the word in Greek is pneuma. And it comes from a word, um, from the word pneumatic, which I went into like a deep spiral on YouTube learning about what, yes, yes. I was looking at tools and it's all these, it's things that are powered. A pneumatic is like this idea of something that's powered by air. So I'm like looking at videos of air compressors and, but I was, it was inspiring. I'm like, well, I've never YouTubed anything like this. I was like, oh, this is so interesting. It's the pressure that's built up, the air forces, right? And the air creates movement and action and uh, there's force with it, right? So I, and in my journey of looking through all these power tools and engineering kinds of things on YouTube, I was laughing and reminding Matthew of a moment um, a few years ago when there was, uh, we had the derecho, and we had, in our front yard, we have a bunch of big old trees, and we had a tree that was like the split, and half of it was kind of down, and there was this big fat branch that needed to be cut off, and it was kind of dangerous, and so Matthew and I were out there trying to cut this thing down. Matthew's got a handsaw. I think somebody gave us a pole saw. It's like tiny, you know, and we're like busy, like zzz, trying to get this thing down. He's using his hand, trying to get this thing, um, battery-operated thing. It's just not working. We're trying and trying. And by saying we're trying, I mean I'm standing on the porch encouraging him, and he's trying. And then, you guys, 
These two men roll up in this, like, old junkie pickup, and they jump, they park right in front of our house, they jump out, and they're like, you need some help? We're like, yeah. And this guy puts on these boots that have spikes, and he climbs up the tree, which was amazing in itself, and he has this huge old chainsaw, and he literally goes, and the whole thing falls down, and he hops back in his truck, and he's like, see you guys later. And I was, Matthew can attest to this. I was on the porch and I'm yelling. I'm like, you guys are like the Holy Spirit. You're the Holy Spirit. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting, you know, but we needed the power. And you guys are like the Holy Spirit. And they're just like, bye. (laughs) That is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the pneuma, right? There's this, this breath, this air that gives life and power. This person of the Holy Spirit brings movement and action. And that's what sends Jesus into ministry then. So with that power, with that pneuma, Jesus goes and he ministers. And over the next three years, we know all the things that he did. Brent talked some last week, but he was empowered with the Holy Spirit to do all these things. He healed miraculously, and there could be a massive list of those. He restored the most outcast to himself and to community. He preached and and taught with authority. People said, we've never heard anyone teach like that. That's the power. That's the pneuma. Um, He loved those who were seemingly unlovable by anyone else. He forgave the deepest sins, which no one, no one, who can do that but God himself? No one has done that before. He wrote, he was writing wrongs and injustices. He was seeing and meeting unmet needs. God was moving in power. Jesus was moving in power because he had the pneuma. He had that power of the Holy Spirit. And through that, he was able to minister in this new way and bring life and establish his kingdom on earth. And so as we dive more into the Holy Spirit today, the the continuation happens and Jesus now realizes of my time on earth is coming to an end. And he's starting to feel that. Things are changing. And now people are plotting against him and and saying, we're going to kill you. And they're preparing to end his life. And he, at the same time, is preparing his disciples and saying, something's going to happen. I'm going to go away. And that's where we pick up John 14, which is where I want to sit for a moment today. And this is Jesus. He's talking to his disciples, and he's explaining what's happening. Like, You don't fully understand, but you will understand. I'm going to leave, and it's okay. And you can feel the moment uh, that he's talking with his disciples. There's got to be, like, just tension in the room and pain and confusion. And, And here he starts in John 14. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, but I'll come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live in you, and you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. He's telling them this new thing. They would have only understood that the Old Testament empowered someone in a moment, right? These stories from the Old Testament, there was an empowerment of a person in a moment to do a job, you know, to do something that God's calling them to. And now this is different. This is a different kind of Holy Spirit experience. 
He says he's going to live, I'm going to live in you. I will send this Holy Spirit who will live in you. And it picks up in verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then he continues on in John 15, and he tells them about the vine and the branches. And remember that passage. He, the whole time he's like, remain in me. Stay connected to me. You know, stay connected to the vine. I'm the vine, and you're the branches. Remain in me. And I'm thinking, if I am them sitting there, I'm going, why are you saying remain when you're leaving? You know, Remain. But he's saying there is a way that you will be able to remain because my Holy Spirit is going to come and move in you and live in you. In that way, you will remain in me. And even so, they're confused and sad. In John 16, it says, Jesus said to them, you're filled with grief because I've said these things, because I'm leaving. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And you know, you know I love Jesus. You know I was mad that Brent got Jesus last week. Because I love to talk about Jesus. I'm so compelled and astounded at the incredible beauty and the love of Jesus leaving perfection and walking with these people and coming to earth and uh, living this incarnate life with us. And that, I mean, that gets me pumped up. But this week, as I was studying the Holy Spirit, I was realizing again, do you see how even Jesus is limited? Even Jesus, even though that's what we think we want, right? If we had to sit here and make a choice, do you want the Holy Spirit or do you want Jesus to come and like live in Des Moines with you? We would choose Jesus, right? But actually, there's still so much limitation when Jesus was in bodily form. And that's why he's saying now, don't be sad. It's okay. Don't be afraid. I'm still with you. It's actually better for you. It's better for all people that I leave. Because as I go, I'm no longer limited. I'm sending my Holy Spirit who's going to live in you. Jesus, again, we see he does not want his presence to be limited. He does not want to be limited to a place or a time or to one body. Do you see this? I love this story, this giant story of scripture, of God's work in the world, this key theme that is woven throughout the big story of God, that God is always in pursuit of his people, always. He's always finding a way to give them more access to him, to be closer to them. And Jesus going away in this moment is like my story from the beginning. It's like him saying, scooch over, scooch over. You know, I want to be closer to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so I can be closer to you. And so that there isn't separation, so there isn't distance and so the Holy Spirit will be with you and you can remain in me. Jesus removed the barrier between people and God, but he is limited in where he can be physically. So he leaves and he sends the Holy Spirit to take up residence in us, in people, accessible all the time to all people and all places at all times. And he is no longer limited to a place or a time or one body. I was struck last week, I think I was crying in the front seat as Brent was talking about how in the Old Testament we have the tabernacle, the presence of God in the tabernacle. 
And then Jesus becomes the tabernacle. That passage he read is um, John 1, 14, the word, or Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And that, it, the phrase is actually that he tabernacled among us. Now, it gets even better than that. We had his presence in the tabernacle. Jesus tabernacled among us. He became the tabernacle. And now what? You. We are the tabernacle. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? We become the tabernacle. Tell somebody next to you, you are the tabernacle. You have God's presence living in you. Yes. It's so good that we become his dwelling place. Isn't that beautiful? That he doesn't want to be, it's not enough for him to be in the same house or the next room, right? He wants to be right there. We become the tabernacle we become the Holy Spirit's presence in us. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about, 3, 16 and 17 says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And the you here is interesting. It's you, you, a person. God's spirit dwells in you, Keegan. God's spirit dwells in you, Matthew. And also, God's spirit dwells in y'all, as Brent would say, right? God's spirit dwells in all of you. It's not just you individually. It's us when we're together as a community. It's us when we're believers who gather and, and worship together. You feel that, don't you? On Sunday mornings, you know, I listen to these worship songs all the time in my car. I'm belting it out and singing and have my moments. And then I get here with you and I'm like, oh, I feel that. Because there's a y'all in that. He dwells in us and he dwells in us as a community and communally. The ruach, the pneuma, the source of life and movement, the thing that animates us, the thing that brings things to life, us to life and everything around us to life, it lives in us. That's wild. The Holy Spirit, we are God's dwelling place, you and me and we together. Oh, do you see this theme? This is the meta-narrative, the story within the big story that we've been seeing over and over and over every week. It's that God will do anything necessary to pursue his people, to be with them in order to restore and transform them. It began in week one at creation. God created people. He didn't have to. He created people. He said he was lonely. He created people to, to steward the world with him. And Adam and Eve ruined it all, right? They, they screwed it up immediately. And what does God do immediately? He goes after them in the garden and says, where are you guys at? Don't hide. Where are you? Humans have created this barrier to God, and God is forever finding a way to remove that barrier. He did it through the covenant. He did it through the tabernacle. He did it in all kinds of ways. God is always finding a way to make bridges, and I'm not going to throw the bridge diagram up there, so don't, if there's any trigger, trigger warning, there's no, there's no stress here. He made all of these, we made, humans made barriers, and God is continually making bridges to these barriers that we put up. He used the prophets and kings. Matthew and I were talking this week, I was like, the law was a barrier. He's like, no, no, we have to think differently about the law. As we heard, the law actually, and we heard this um, preached, it was the, the law is actually a, a connector. It was a bridge, a way for us to connect and to enjoy and to experience God even. Nothing 
Even the law, even the prophets, everything was a bridge to the barriers that we had created. But nothing would work because people always fail. People were always failing. And so eventually, what happens? Jesus becomes the bridge. And there's no longer any barrier. And now it's for all people. Jesus is for all people, Jews and Gentiles, male, female, priests, peasants, religious, non-religious. He has forever pursued his people and made himself fully accessible. And the Holy Spirit is one more step in that process. The Holy Spirit's role in the big story of God is to increase our access to God. And not just so that we can be BFFs, right? Not just so you have a comfortable night's sleep. The reason that we need the Holy Spirit living in us is because this is God's new plan. We are his new creation And as we have the Holy Spirit living in us, we are transformed by his love, by close relationship with him. And so we become the new creation. And from that place, what do we do? We participate in new creation and creating new things and transforming spaces and people and places around us and participating in the renewal of all things as we are renewed. And the Holy Spirit offers so much. He he takes up residence in us and lives in us. And he offers so much. Just in there's so much about the Holy Spirit that I could tell you, but just even in the passage this morning, just that small passage in John, he says, in that in that little passage, even he says, I am the advocate, I'm the comforter, I'm the spirit of truth, I'm a teacher, I'm a I'm a peace giver. He's our advocate. That word is paraclete, and it means to come alongside to come alongside you. Don't we all long for that? To not feel alone and to feel like we are deeply connected. Well, you are. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You are not alone. You have God who comes alongside you. You have a comforter who calms fears and gives you hope. You have the spirit of truth and we need it. Maybe now more than ever. Maybe everybody felt that way over generations, but it feels like, wow, we need discernment don't we? We need the spirit of truth to know what's true, what's right. He's our teacher and he's our peace. And even this week, again, Matthew and I were talking about this. I'm like, oh, this is actually what I long for the most and what I feel like I'm always missing the most. It's like, I just long for peace. I long to live in that place of contentment and peace. And where do we find that? In us. The peace, the prince of peace lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And then we get the fruit of the Spirit. As we live and and access the Holy Spirit that lives in us, the fruit that is born is uh, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And it makes sense then as as to why God would use us then to renew all things because we become these people who are joyful and patient and kind and good and and have self-control. And then he gives us gifts. If you keep going in 1 Corinthians, there's a whole section about the gifts to each one. It says, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You have gifts to use in your community for the common good. There's wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and miracles and prophecy and discernment and tongues. Uh Uh-oh. And they're not limited. There's all these gifts that are available to us as the Holy Spirit lives in us. 
And as I was reading about even the, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, it's not just for us so that we can just be happy people and be close to God, right? The gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is actually for the good of all. It's, it's to bring unity among us and to be practiced together and to share our gifts in community. We're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit for each other's sake, for our own sake and for each other's sake. This is an experience that we have together. And when this happens, as it does in Acts, sorry, I'm not going to talk about Acts, so go home, read Acts 1, learn about Pentecost. But in Acts is where the Holy Spirit comes. He told, I read you the passage of Jesus is saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. In Acts, we see the Holy Spirit moves into these disciples, takes up residence in them. Jesus dies, he's resurrected, he breathes on them. They, they experience this Holy Spirit power. And then what happens to these disciples? They begin to reveal the fruit of the Spirit. They minister to each other in their communities with the gifts of the Spirit. They go out with power and they see action and they see things happen. And this is the church. What's formed is the church. The kingdom of God advances in these amazing ways after Pentecost. People become followers of Jesus and people share what they have in need and you see this church begin to grow and you see followers of Jesus begin to grow and there's, there's followers of Jesus becoming uh, common everywhere in all places. And you know why that is? Because the Holy Spirit is no longer limited to Jesus. The Holy Spirit now lives and takes up residence in anybody who follows him. And so they go and they live out the gifts of the Spirit and they live out the fruit of the Spirit and they bring others along with them and the church is formed. And the other thing that I kept thinking, I keep thinking in this series over and over is like each week I leave and I'm like, wow, the kingdom of God cannot be stopped. It's, it's begun and it cannot be stopped. Human, the kingdom of God cannot be stopped, brother. The, the humans will do our best to stop it and not because we want to ruin everything. It's because we have brokenness and there's brokenness in our world. We actually long for the kingdom of God, but humans get in the way. But the beautiful thing is that Jesus, is, Jesus became the bridge, became the barrier, or be, broke the barrier. Now we have the Holy Spirit and now we get to participate. And even though we mess up, even though we fail, we get to participate in the kingdom of God coming in our lives, in, our, in y'all's lives, in our community's lives, because the Holy Spirit lives in us, and the kingdom of God will not be stopped. And I have to stop now, because now I want to talk about the church, but I can't. Steve is going to come next week, and he's going to continue on in talking about um, what does the church look like? The story of how the church is born and how God's kingdom continues because it cannot be stopped. So as we close this morning, I just want to give us a, a, a little time. So Tim, do you want to come play? And worship team, you can come up too if you want. I just want, wherever you are, if you're comfortable, I just want to give you a moment. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And the, there's two things I guess I want to say to you. One, I've been saying it over and over and over, is the Holy Spirit lives in you. You have access to him. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the God who provides. He is the Holy Spirit. He's your comforter. He lives in you. 
so you have access to him. So maybe you need to clear out some of the clutter in your mind and your heart, and you need to focus in on who, who is that that lives in you? And how do you access him more? How do you access him more easily? A lot of times it's just that we need to be reminded that that's what we have living in us. And the other piece that we see in scripture is that the Holy Spirit does come on people. There are times when people are gathered and the Holy Spirit comes, like Pentecost. And there are times when people experience the Holy Spirit in order to go and do something in particular. And so this morning, those are the two things I want to pray for. So if you're comfortable, just put your hands out in front of you just as a posture to say, I'm just, I'm open. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we just invite you to do whatever you want to do. Thank you that if we have relationship with you, Jesus, that your spirit lives inside of us. So would you just remind us? God, I don't know if you want to, is there an image or a picture or a word or something you want to say, Holy Spirit, but you just right now remind us of the pneuma that lives in us, the, the power. now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak, that you would move, that you would pour out new understanding of your spirit, that you would pour out new experiences with your Holy Spirit, with gifts of the Spirit. As a community, thank you that we were not intended to experience you alone. We experience you in community. And so, God, what do you have for Ashworth Church? What do you have for us in this room? Would you give us fresh encounter with your Holy Spirit? Would you give us fresh encounter with that kind of power, of the pneuma power? Would you give us an, an awareness um, of your breath, of your movement? And I pray that we would just be more open than we've ever been. Would you give us just the ability to be open and eager to listen for you, to experience you? Thank you that you, God, are not distant 
you're so close. You're right here. And so God, I pray this morning that we would scooch over and we would just let you speak, let you move, let you do whatever you want to do. song here but if there's something stirring in you or even just like a longing in you that's how I felt this week as I was learning again about Holy Spirit I'm like oh I just have this longing in me for more and to to live more according to what actually lives in me you know Um, and so a couple times even this week Matthew just like pray for me let's just pray that God would you know, give us more of that. And so if, if you feel that even this morning where you're like, I just, I need to process or pray with someone and, and ask for more, come on up. Um, I'll be up here, I'll pray for you. But let's worship together about the Holy Spirit this morning.